Good afternoon, everyone. It's Evangelist Tinson again in the Warriors Zone. We are entering into the throne room of God. And as I said before, some call it the war room. But this is the Warriors Zone. And today I come with a question. The first question. What's is your question going to be? I was preparing my cross-examination within myself, within my mind. Cross-examining everything that I have done in the past, done just a few minutes ago. Psalms 2, 1 through 12. We will reference that scripture. The first question in the psalm is about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. The safest place to be in life is close to Jesus. Paul preaching the gospel in Antioch quotes this psalms. He says, We will tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors. He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Acts 13, 32 and 33. And I was quoting from Psalms 2 and 7. It is Jesus who is the anointed. Psalms 2 and 2. The Hebrew word here is Messiah. He is the Christ, the Son of God, whom we are to love. The Psalms original context probably concerned a particular situation involving a human king of Israel. Yet, as we read it with a larger horizon in the mind, we see the first question asked in the Psalms points forward in anticipation to Jesus. Why do people conspire and plot against him? This is exactly what we see happening in the New Testament. Even in today's passage, in relation to Jesus. Right from the start of Jesus' life, we see rulers gathering together and conspiring and plotting in vain. Matthew chapter 2, 3-4. Yet, the Psalms ends, blessed happy, fortunate, and to be envied are all those who seek refuge to put their trust in him. With all the storms of life and supremely the storms of Jesus coming in final judgment, the only safe place to be is in him. Lord, I thank you that as I look to the year ahead of me, and all the potential challenges, opportunities, and possibilities, the safest place to be is in you.
That is where we need to be. The second one, the first question in the New Testament is about Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 18. The whole of the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus. The Magi, often referred to as the wise men, sensed the significance of Jesus' birth. They asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? They sought and found him. When they saw the child, they bowed down and worshipped him. They recognized that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the hopes and dreams of the people up until his birth. Jesus is the one who fulfilled all God's promises. Today we see three more examples. Number one, place of birth. Matthew saw that even the place of Jesus' birth was prophesied, Micah chapter 5 and 2. It was out of Bethlehem that the ruler and shepherd would arise. For this is what the prophet has written, Matthew 2, 5 and 6. Number two, exile in Egypt. When Herod tried to kill Jesus, the family escaped to Egypt. Matthew writes, so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Number three, slaughter of the children. When Herod ordered the number of all the, when when Herod ordered to murder all the boys under the age of two, this fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah. Lord Jesus, today I want to bow down and worship you. I want to offer you everything I have, my life and all. The third question. The first question is in the Bible, is about God's goodness. So the third, I will be referenced Genesis chapter 2, 18, Genesis chapter 4 and 16. Do you ever find yourself doubting whether God's way really is the best? I know you had that doubt before. Do you find yourself wondering whether even God, whether even Though God says it, it is wrong. Something is worth trying anyway. I know you got that question. God gave to humankind everything they could possibly want. The whole created world was made for us to enjoy. Every possible need was, was catered for. The pinnacle of God's creation was humankind. The need for community was solved by the creation of other human beings. It is not good for man to be alone. That is what the scripture said. It started out, it started with the beautiful gift of marriage. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. Marriage is a lifelong union of man and a woman in which sex 
another of God's beautiful gift. It is to be enjoyed with intimacy and freedom without guilt or shame. Yet, despite this abundant provision of everything good, human beings look for something more and they scrummed to the temptation to take forbidden fruits. The temptation started with doubts about God. Here is the first question in the Bible. Did God really say? Do you remember that? You must not eat from this tree in the garden? Ha, huh. make you think, huh? Behind this question is a demonic lie that God is withholding from you something that is really existing. How exciting. Eve's first mistake was to engage with the snake in conversation or the serpent. We are created to converse with God, not the devil. The devil, in the form of a serpent, fools Eve into thinking that there will be no consequence to her sin. Think about that. You will not certainly die. That's what he said. He imputes bad motives to God. God. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. My, my, my. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What a word. It is often the case that you swallow a lie about God before you swallow forbidden fruit. That is so true. The fruit looked good and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. This is often how temptation appears. Adam and Eve sinned and, as so frequently happens, cover up followed the sin that they committed. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Wow! Think about that. Someone is covering up something today. Number four, the first question God asks in the Bible is about uh, asked in the Bible is about you. Adam and Eve's friendship with God was broken. When they heard God coming, they hid. But God immediately came looking for them. Yes, he did, because he remembered the relationship that they had. And we find this first question in the Bible, where are you? That's what he said. God did not give up on them. He certainly did not. Whenever you fall away from him, God comes searching for you, wanting the relationship to be restored. And I'm telling you, if you have walked away from God today, he still wants to restore that relationship. For somebody who is feel that feeling downtrodden and lost and out of place, I am telling you today, your relationship can be restored. He says, the snake, the one of Eve's descendants, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Jesus is the one who will crush the head of the snake. But there will be a cost. You will strike his heel. We see here the first hint of what it will cost to restore relationship.
On the cross, Jesus crushed Satan, but it cost him his life. His blood was shed so that you and I could be forgiven and our relationship with God being restored. Are you ready to be restored today? The fifth question human beings ask is about responsibility. You know what he says? Am I my brother's keeper? This is the crucial question for today. Do you have responsibilities for others? The result of the fall is a broken relationship with God. Adam and Eve blame each other. And in chapter 4, we read that their children also fell out with each other. Arguments, quarreling, falling out with one another began right here. It has belighted the human race ever since. Try to avoid arguments, people. You will rarely win one and they are so destructive. So try not to get in argument with your loved ones, with your friends, with your co-workers. Cain was angry with his brother Abel. God's question continued. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is couching at your door. It desires to have you, he said, but you must master it. My God, you will either master sin now through the power of the cross and resurrection and with the help of the spirit or else sin will master you. In Cain's case, it did. It killed, he killed his brother. God asked him yet another question. Where is your brother Abel? In response, Cain asks the first question by human being in the Bible. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain wanted to avoid responsibilities. He was saying, do I really have responsibility for anyone other than myself? The biblical answer is that you do have responsibilities for others. We cannot exempt ourselves from responsibility for what is happening around us in our city, nation, and the world. For example, we cannot accept that thousands of children die every day as a result of extreme poverty and simply say it is not our responsibility. It is ours, saints. It is ours, people. Not only do you have responsibility towards your fellow human beings, but in your privilege to bring blessing and joy to your friends, family, and all those around you and make a difference in the lives of many people as possible. We have to say this prayer today. Lord, thank you that you have created this wonderful universe for us to enjoy in relationship with you. 
help me this year to fulfill the potential I have to make a difference in other people's life. Matthew 2 and 16. Think about that. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years older and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. I always feel traumatized when I read this passage. It is really a hard passage. What a terrible thing Herod did to the, to the vulnerability or to the vulnerable. Just because he felt insecure about his own position. Think about it. Are you ever in danger of putting others down to try and secure your own position? Think about that today. And remember that we are our brother's keeper. This is Evangelist Tinson, and God bless you.